Welcome to Five Points of Contact. You know what that was, Beth? It was a lot of football. It was a lot of football. We need to do something about that, don't we? I mean, this is a this is a volleyball preview show. Just in case you're wondering, this show is all about volleyball because the final four is upon us. And coordination, as always, is a work in progress. And I think what we need to do is we need to come up with a volleyball intro, at least a women's sports intro, because I, I, we plan on covering more women's sports as time goes on because, I don't know, Nebraska seems to be good at them. There's plenty of good volleyball highlights. We we could make a great intro with volleyball highlights. You you start gathering some, and I'll figure out how we're going to do that because I'm not the best at it, but we can find some people that could do that. Okay. We're headed, we are one day, a little bit over one day into the really coming down to, you know, for Nebraska volleyball fans, we've watched a team all season that's been incredibly fun to watch. And now it's coming down to, this is it, the final four, two games left to a national title. It's kind of terrifying in a way. I I think it is. And I want you to tell me, I want you to tell me this. I look at this from a, you know, a guy that doesn't know volleyball very well. And I just watch the sport and I love watching the sport. But when I look at this, I go pit. Okay. I don't know much about pit. Uh, we should crush them because I don't know anything about them. But then I look on the other side of the bracket and I see two things. Well, I see three. I see evil Texas and Wisconsin. Of course they're evil. And then I see Texas and Wisconsin. And I think, man, I don't ever want to lose to Texas in volleyball again, especially in a national title match. And B, I honestly don't think we can beat Wisconsin. Now, that's me being I beat up by Husker football. I don't know. But an athlete has to face those things as if it's a challenge, not as we're terrified of this. There's a different mentality there. Can we start there? Yeah, I think these players are – excited to play in a championship match, excited to play in the final four. And there's a balance between, all right, we got to Tampa that was on the goal list and we're going to enjoy the moment. And then the other side of that balancing act is showing up to play and being in the focused mode that maybe you have like a response when you walk into the Devaney center and that focus mode, turns on and I'm able to do the things that I've practiced in the Devaney Center year, the whole year. But when we walk into this arena in Tampa, I have no response to that except for what I'm creating and these practices they had today and the warmups they're going to have tomorrow. And um, I'm sure they're nervous, but I think it's an excited nervous to, to push to this final goal of winning a national championship. Well, Pitt, Let's talk about Pitt, I guess, first. We can, I, at some point, we need to talk about Nebraska because I'm sure that there aren't a huge number of volleyball photo uh, videos on YouTube, and maybe people from other teams will come and watch this too, and it could be exciting. Uh, but Pitt, the one so thing – you know, my wife, ta- my wife said – I said, Pitt, I don't know anything about him. And she said, they serve really well, and we better be ready for that. That's 100% correct. Um but, you know, historically, they, they're a good team. This is their third Final Four in a row. Uh, we met them two years ago in the Final Four before we met Wisconsin in the finals. So um, they're they're good. They've been good. They have some of the returning good players. And they've also um, got some really good freshmen uh, and a couple transfers. So Pitt is established good. Expect them to be in the top 10, you know, this year and years to come. Their coach is Dan Fisher. He's been there 11 years and he's taken that program to, you know, national level competitiveness consistently. Um, But yes, your wife is 100% correct. They have some very good servers. Um, The national freshman of the year is not on Nebraska's team. It is on Pitt's team. Olivia Babcock is the freshman of the year for the country. And she's an excellent server. She served three aces in a row against Louisville a good passing team. Um, She has a jump serve that just tumbles over itself very fast and that makes it drop. And so you baseball fans, 
um, you know, you are a batter trying to hit this thing or you are a passer trying to get your arms underneath it and it just keeps falling away from you. And it comes very fast. She hits it with a ton of speed. So um, she's a great server for them. She will earn aces against most teams. Nebraska's, uh, one of its primary strengths is serve-receive passing. So that's always nice when you face one of these teams who serves really well. Arkansas was the best serving team we've seen all season. And that's saying a lot because teams in the Big Ten can serve. Um, so Babcock's a good server. Um, they also have a really good server. We've seen her before, Vasquez Gomez. She has a really good serve. And then they have uh, Cat Flood comes in just to serve. And she's a really good server, too. So those are their top three servers um, that will try it's to just- cause trouble. But between Rodriguez, Choboy, um, they'll cover as much court as they can. 99% sure that Pitt will target Murray when they can and Batenhorst when they can. Okay, is this like a a point of, a, of emphasis? I mean, like, I hate to do this, but, you know, this is my ignorance coming in. Like, when we talk about football, we're like, run the ball. And we're like, oh, we want a passing offense. Oh, three three five defense. I mean, do some teams in volleyball just basically say we're going to be a serving and attack team or we're going to defend and block? Is this a point of emphasis or do the teams typically – I got to believe it is. I think right? every team tries to be a strong serving team. I mean, every team okay. has to serve, right? And it is the first contact on any rally, and it's the first offensive contact if you use it that way. If you just put the ball in play, well, the first offensive contact is going to be for the other team. So let's, you know, let's throw the ball over the net and see what they do with it. They're going to jam it down your throat and hit somebody in the face. So you use the serve as an offensive weapon so that they don't jam it down your throat. And, you know, Coach Cook will say it anytime he's asked, we serve every single day in practice, and it is the most important skill that we practice every day. Uh, So they want to be a very good serving team. Probably the same thing is true for Pitt. Um, Nebraska would say they are a serving and passing team, and then defense is right there behind those um, those two skills. So what do you think Nebraska's matchup with Pitt? I mean, where where do things match up well? Where where are the two teams going to attack each other the most? You've already mentioned that kind of Harper Murray and bait and horse to be served against, but what do you think is yeah. going to happen with these two teams? These two are the um, top two defensive teams in the country. So that means for us as the fans, we're going to see some really long rallies. Um as, as long as the ball um, can be played up defensively, these two teams just keep going at it until somebody makes a mistake, somebody makes a really good block. Um, so long rallies is what we expect. Their primary weapon is in the same position as our primary weapon. Merritt Beeson plays on the right side. Olivia Babcock plays on the right side. So our outside hitters, Allie Batenhorst and Harper Murray, will be key in our blocking game. Um, and Babcock's going to hit both when she's in the front row and when she's in the back row. Um, we will have to focus on her. Um, but yeah, we expect them to block us. Um, probably not to the extent that Wisconsin blocked us a few weeks ago. Sorry, but let's compare. They are a, a equally good blocking team to Wisconsin. And so the cover, you know, the people that dig the ball back up after it comes off those blocking hands, They have to be in there tight and they have to be thinking this ball is coming back. I am ready to play it up because it happens so fast. If you're not ready for the ball, it's on the floor already. So blocking what Nebraska does um, better than Pitt, though, is the floor defense behind that block. Blocking and floor defense are tied together. If the block is moving, the floor defense can't set up well behind it. What Nebraska does well okay. is they block and they set that block, right? I'm just going to take away this slice of the court. Nobody can hit behind my block. So then the floor defense sets up around that block. Nebraska does that That's, better than Pitt. Is that That's that cup defense. thing you talked about? Or Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this See, is the I've repeat learned, I've, le- I, I've learned something from you. As you learn it, yep. So – 
I don't know what else to ask about Pitt, being ignorant of them as I am. Uh, well, the good thing to know about them, too, is they're just as young as Nebraska. You know, okay. not player for player, but we talked about Olivia Babcock already. She's a true freshman, um, and she plays their right side. They have another true freshman named Tori Stafford. She plays their left side. Um, she is probably who we will serve to the most, although she handles it pretty well. She occasionally will will miss a pass, and we can uh, use that to our advantage. So those two true freshmen playing um, all the way around for them, and they are their key players. You know, these aren't role players. This The sets go to Stafford and Babcock. Um, their setter's a junior. Rachel Fairbanks has been with them for the three runs to the final four, so she's got senior status, you know, played a lot on these good championship teams. Well, almost championship teams. Um, and then in the middle, they have a transfer from um, MSU from Michigan State, Emma Monk. And so she's more of a role player. Uh, but their other medal, who um, this name is very challenging for me, Nukolo is her last name. She's a graduate student. She's been with them through the three runs for the final four too. So they are this mix of youth or new players coming into pit and, you know, players who have made the final four with them for three seasons in a row. Do we go to the other side of the bracket, the evil side? We, we can talk about the evil side. Okay. Texas. They beat yeah. Stanford at Stanford. And they, yeah, uh, you know, Texas upset they, Stanford, you know, somewhat confidently, somewhat easily. Yeah. Stanford didn't look like they were a hundred percent, or they just didn't play a hundred percent. I don't know which one, but um, maybe they thought they'd just walk in on their own home court and just like, ah, whatever. You know what I mean? I don't, if yeah, I, I don't remember know. right. There were not a whole lot of people at that match. That was the least attended one. I didn't look at actual yeah. stats, but yeah, you could see seats were empty there. So that's, I don't know. It's California. They've got a lot of other things to do, I guess. <laughs> okay. Texas. They still have uh, Keani. Key, oh, uh, Kayla Akana. Yeah. 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 She's a defensive specialist for them. So she comes in to serve and she passes. Um so she is a role player for them, and she does, she plays her role well for them, similarly how she did it for Nebraska. Um, their uh, most dominant players are um, Asia O'Neill is a middle for them, and Maddie Skinner is a outside hitter for them, and uh, both of them are first-team All-Americans and very good. Uh, you know, Maddie Skinner takes over matches. She's in the conversation for the player of the year along with Wisconsin's outside hitter, Sarah Franklin. Right. Um, so these two teams have a neat matchup. I think either of them can take it. I think what I always consider with Wisconsin is how shocking their block is. And similar to when a team is shocked by the Devaney Center, we get a set just based on the shock and awe of the Devaney Center. They get a set based on the shock and awe of their block. Their block is so much bigger than anybody else's that even when you play against Stanford, they've got some tall players too. It's just another notch, this Wisconsin block. So I, I think when a new team comes in and they play against this block, I think, all right, well, they get one, Wisconsin gets one. Can this team rebound and get another three after they figure out Wisconsin's block? So that's Texas's I mean, challenge. That, is it shocking? Because I mean, it's Schmack, Anna Schmack. Schmack, and then right next freaking, to her is Carter Booth, who's 6'8". You know, Schmack's 6'9", yeah. Carter just, Booth's 6'8". They're both All-Americans because they're not only tall, but they're athletic. They move well. Yeah. They've got volleyball IQ where they know how to read setters and get to the spot she's setting it. So they're both very talented and tall. So if Texas offensive strategy against Wisconsin is, I don't know, is there such a thing? Do they do a lot of slides to move out of the boy of the block? Do they? I always look at volleyball girls and I think that girl wants to just hammer that ball right through the other girl's arms and rip her arms off, and that never happens. It's certainly not going to happen against Wisconsin. 
No, it's not, but they are going to, yes, Wisconsin, uh, Texas runs a good slide. So Asia O'Neill will go behind and try to move um, the blockers around and at the same time make them decide are they going to block me or are they going to block, block Maddie Skinner, decide between the two. What Texas has to do, though, is just be more balanced than they are sometimes. Both of these teams, Wisconsin and Texas, will tend to start setting Sarah Franklin, Sarah Franklin, Sarah, Maddie Skinner, Maddie Skinner. So both of these teams are better if they make the other team guess a little bit. And then they okay. know normally at will Sarah Franklin and Maddie Skinner can earn a kill, but they can do that a lot more if the other team has to question just for a half second, is she going to get the ball this time? Cause she just set Asia O'Neill that last time they're, that much later to the block on the outside. And then Sarah or Maddie has an advantage. Um, then she's definitely earning the kill. She's that good of a, a outside hitter. She can earn a kill if she has a slight advantage because she can do it when she doesn't as well. Is there anything else we need to know about Texas other than evil? Yeah, it's evilness all around. They have a freshman setter. Um, she runs their offense fine. Uh, I think she's a pretty good setter. She's, um, but having a freshman setter is something that you scout because this is it. This is their first time here. This is the first time in that right. environment. Um, so she doesn't have a, um, you know, like a response. We were talking about in the Devaney Center. I walk into the Devaney Center. This is what I do. I walk into the Final Four. This is what I do. Neither of, you know, our setter nor their setter has any response to this Final Four. So she's got to create one. She's got to make a game plan to calm the nerves on match night. So she's able to set an even ball. The setters really have to have consistency. So a response, a response is like if I'm a player and I walk out at Devaney and the lights go down and I suddenly say, okay, I'm now here. Yeah. I am in the moment. I am present. You know, for me, it's like when I say before we start the show, cleansing breath and then I breathe yeah. a little bit because I always, you know, that's what it is. It's basically saying this is the moment I've put myself yeah. here. I'm calm and I'm ready to go. And that's what that that's what you mean, like a response. Yeah, having that so that there are some things that you don't have to think about. There's going to be stimulus, you know, mm -hmm. overload in this arena um, so many fans, so many different things in the final four. The lights are going to be different. The announcers are going to be different. The balls are going to be different. The floor is different. So if I can put some things on automatic and just give myself, this is what I do at match time, then I'm I'm less overwhelmed and overloaded. And so they're working on that right now, getting used to the environment. And so that when I walk into this arena, I just play volleyball and I set the same ball I've been setting all season to Harper Murray so that she's got that advantage against the block. Okay, Wisconsin. Nebraska fans, we know Wisconsin. Wisconsin fans obviously know Wisconsin. If Texas and uh, the Pitt fans are, don't, maybe they don't know Wisconsin. We've mentioned two play. Well, we've mentioned three. Sarah mm -hmm. Franklin, who is, I, you know, I, I don't like talking nice about other teams, but dear God, she's, an incredible volleyball player. And then you have, you mentioned Carter Booth, is it? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Anna Schreck and both, both of those women, young women are just giant, massive athletic volleyball players along with Sarah Franklin, who seems to be, I don't know, capable of just about anything. Is there anything? The, the one thing I wanted to ask you is this. I saw where Terry Pettit had tweeted out something about Wisconsin running a six, two, and because they run a 6-2, they have to sub more often than other teams. Mm -hmm. And because if somebody pushes them to 25, they're typically running out of substitutions. And that's where teams can get them in trouble because, that you know, what happens in volleyball – I'm going to make a statement. You tell me if I'm correct. You have players that fit into certain positions. And if you can't sub them in and sub them out, they rotate – by mm -hmm. sport rule, they rotate into positions where they're not very good, and that's what other teams are a, – a offensive philosophy or a philosophy of using in beating Wisconsin is just basically say, let's not make mistakes. Let's stretch this as long as we can possibly go and hope that Wisconsin runs out of subs and we can put them in bad situations where they're going to make more mistakes than we are. Is, is that a philosophy that would – 
fit this match? It could. Am I, complete, um, am I completely off? No, no, you've got it. It's it's right. Wisconsin, when we say they run a 6-2, that means they have six hitters and they have two setters, and those setters are always in the back row. And to make all that happen, you do. You sub. And so their two setters will sub in for their um, two right-side hitters, Schmreck and Devin Robinson is the other one. But when they run out of subs, you can't continue to make those subs. So after 15, that's the rules limit. Um, Oregon did this to Wisconsin. Oregon yeah. pushed them, and it was in you know 24-24, point for point. Every time you score um, a side out, you have to rotate, also rules. And so Oregon got them to the point where Devin Robinson had to serve and one other not normal player was in the back row. And then Oregon started hitting to those two players who don't normally play back row for Wisconsin. Um, the bad news for somebody who wants to use this philosophy is Wisconsin handled it. They they managed these two non-normal back row players and they won the set. So they practiced this, that we are aware that one of the weaknesses of a 6-2 is the possibility we'll run out of subs. We can't bring these special players in the back row to dig. Um, and they're always going to choose to leave the bigger players in, right? They're not going to bring in the shorter player who could eventually rotate back to the front row. That's not going to happen. If a coach makes a mistake, he subs in or she subs in that smaller player, but they're going to leave in 6-2 Devin Robinson. She's going to serve, which she doesn't normally do. But when she comes back around to the front row, we're normal again if we get there. Um Texas has to do something more than that too, though. If they get to that point, they have the advantage, but they're going to have to have a game plan for points one through 23 because you got to get to 23 right. really for these subs to run out. So they've got to have um, some areas that they want to attack. Um, I think they can attack Wisconsin and serve receive. We see sometimes they have some weaknesses there. Um where they, they can pass a poor ball. And the trouble is they pass this poor ball. And so you know it's not getting set to the middle. And in theory, that's an advantage. But you have such skill on the outside, a Sarah Franklin or their other outside is um, Temi Thomas Ayalero. She's a graduate student that transferred from Northwestern. She's excellent too. They can still earn kills even when the whole stadium knows the ball's going to them. Um, so that's kind of how they mitigate there. A poor pass happens. The ball's absolutely going to the outside. I still can earn a kill on you. Uh, I have that many shots in my, my kit bag. I can, I can get a shot off on you. So you're expecting Wisconsin to maybe not trounce Texas to beat them. I mean, it would be an upset for Texas to win that match. Yes, it would be an upset for Texas. Texas is playing a lot better volleyball than what Texas had an up and down season. They they beat people. They um, had some nice wins, but they also had some crazy losses. They lost to Kansas State. Um, gosh, I'm going to lose the other ones, but they had four losses this season and they weren't all too great teams. So they had this up and down Sometimes they just weren't there in these matches, and that hasn't happened in the NCAA tournament. They, they've zoned in, they're focused, and so they're playing good volleyball. Um, but it is a surprising thing that they're in the Final Four. Um, you know, I run a bracket, and I've got over 50 people in my bracket, and one person had them picked to the Final Four. And wow. most of us didn't expect it. Um, they are the reigning national champions. Sorry, I know that hurts, but... They lost the best player in the year. The national player of the year graduated last year. Um, so, and their setter, who was a, a senior who was transfer. The, who was that? Oh, goodness. Eggins. Logan Eggleston. Eggin. Okay. Yeah, I remember her. She's yeah. woken me up at night in my dreams and nightmares, hammering balls at me. And just, that sounds terrible. Okay. Anyway, uh, so you expect Texas to beat Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin just – on a neutral floor, I just look at Wisconsin and I go, my God, how can anybody beat them? And then I look at Nebraska. And let's just say, let's just hypothesize that Nebraska beats Pitt and it's Nebraska versus Wisconsin. 
We have players we love. Merritt Beeson is just an absolute joy to watch. Uh, Harper Murray looks like she is a very young player that can do almost everything. Maybe not dig the ball as well as others, but she looks like, honestly, she looks like in about, I don't know, five, six years when she gets out of college, she's going to be the best player of the world to replace Jordan Larson is the best player in the world. Cause she just looks like she has so much potential. We have Lexi who was beautiful to watch also digging balls. And then we have Lainey Choboy who will kill herself for a game. Uh, tell people about Nebraska's team and, you know, why, why they should be, if you're a Pitt fan watching this, why you would be worried about Nebraska. Yeah. Nebraska has a lot of young players and players that weren't necessarily um, on the scouting report before the season started, but uh, Merritt Beeson is a junior transfer from Florida and she's integrated very well into the team and didn't just come to Nebraska to play well. She came to be part of something. You know, she's talked a lot about how um, the leadership of this team and the mentality of this team has been um, just a, a welcome change for her. And so she's a captain as a first year transfer in along with uh, Lexi Rodriguez. And both of them are first team All-Americans. Um, this is Merritt Beeson's first time as an All-American. So she's she's just gotten better at Nebraska, too. She was excellent at Florida, but she's gotten better in almost every facet of her game um, as she's gone through this season. And, yeah, Lexi Rodriguez, just she doesn't have bad matches. She's balanced. She has excellent skill, technique, um, and she uh, brings total control, total um, – organization that's the better world she organizes the back row so that there's it's not chaos and that sometimes that happens in the tournament teams just turn into chaos they run into another team that throws things at them but Lexi keeps it organized and controlled um our middles are pretty fiery they are uh I think you'd call them the fire up squad for our team uh Becca Alex a sophomore right. from Nebraska and um, Andy Jackson's a freshman. Uh, I think her official home's Colorado, but I, I think she says she's from Alaska. Um, but they both run a very nice slide. They're excellent blockers. And they do things that other middles don't always do. They dive on the floor for balls. They set balls to other players. And those are just not skills that all, you know, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, players have. They They have the ability to... Um, integrate into the offense in other ways. Um, Harper Murray is um, was the number one recruit in the whole country, and she gets targeted a lot on passing. You know, they will serve to her. Um, she plays all six rotations for Nebraska and does some things excellent. Um, I think when a team starts to underestimate her or Nebraska – is when she's at her best. You know, she's got a a deep chip on her shoulder and I I think she likes it. You know, I I want to be tested. I want to be pushed to another level. Um and then the second outside is Allie Batenhorst. She's a 6-5 player from Texas and she's been uh thrust into that primary role. She and Lindsay Krause were trading back and forth for the beginning of the season, but Lindsay got hurt and we, we don't expect to see her at this point in the season, okay. although she's probably very close to being 100%. I think she'll be in a jersey tomorrow night, but I don't know how you put her in um, if you're Coach Cook. She hasn't played for months uh, in match scenarios, um, but I also really would not be expected if if Krause gets, gets a shot if she's a hundred percent, but Baton horse has taken that second outside position and she's stepped up in a few notches. I would say Baton horse has uh, upped her game and made herself a consistent player for Nebraska. Um, and, and I think that has a lot to do with her effort, but also with Jordan Larson in the sidelines, like you said, the best player ever. Um, so if you have her coaching you, there's probably, you know, five, six, 20 million nuggets of here's how it works she can give you in a practice or in a match. So Nebraska has the ability to shift gears. You know, we've seen them in too low of a gear sometimes when the competition isn't high, but when the competition gets high, 
except for the one match against Wisconsin, we've seen them be able to shift higher and access another level. And so their ability to do that has made me say, I'm, I'm not going to question it. They have it in them. They have the ability to upshift. And I think they will. I think they will when required. They'll be required to shift into a new gear against Pitt. And I think they'll be required to shift into a, another couple higher gears against probably Wisconsin. Yeah, I think Wisconsin will beat Texas. I think Nebraska will beat Pitt. And then you'll see a whole nother level of volleyball in the finals. Yeah. The third match between Nebraska and Wisconsin this season uh, and the national title to to take home. It will be <laughs> epic. Is there, Becca Alec, is there another young woman in the final four left that is a bigger smack talker than her? Cause you don't see that a lot in volleyball. You see that, you know, in other sports where, you know, there's pointing and there's like, yeah, and she yeah. does that. And I, you know, I know some people probably don't like it, but I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. Is there I anybody think she else got warned. I think in Arkansas, warned? warned her. I, there was, it wasn't an official warning, but she was like a look or something. Um, I think Asia O'Neill on Texas's team, I think she does a little staring through the net. That would be a similar <laughs> situation. Um, I don't think anybody else I've seen um, that, you know, they all is turn around. Something, and, is this just something that doesn't happen in volleyball or what's the deal? If, yeah, I don't think it's, you know, something most referees will let happen for too long. Yeah, if they start talking through the net, I think there'll be some cards come out. Really? Wow. I think it's one of those social etiquette things, you know, what what tennis when you throw the ball at the ball person, you get kicked out of the tournament or whatever happens there, but uh yeah, it's whatever sports etiquette for volleyball. What Alec does is not, you know, unsportsmanlike at all. She's Right. She's playing the she's game. Into she's into it. She fun. is into yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Comments. James Boardman made this at the beginning for all you people that didn't get here at the beginning. Uh, I started with a football intro because that's what we have. And James Boardman says, perhaps next season there could be a volleyball intro for streams like this, please. So to emphasize where we need to, what we need to change here to do a better job of coverage. Uh, James Boardman also, we're going to take three from James Boardman. James Boardman also says Husker fans that save their money for a bowl game still get to go to Tampa in December. And this one I wanted to read because this is kind of, I think, I don't know if this is key or not. James Boardman also says the floor is on top of an ice hockey surface. The arena temp is set at 68 degrees. Texas will be cold. The other teams will be comfortable. Do you? Is it a huge... I mean, obviously, when it, when you get a play in Omaha, I think that's a home field advantage for Nebraska. But what do you think about the setting? Why Tampa? Why did they go to Tampa? Oh, I think it's a good host city. They host a lot of different things that I'm sure I don't know anything about. But um, and from what I hear so far, from it's it's a great host city. You know, friends or coaches that are talking, they're there. It's they're doing a nice job of hosting. Um, and I think the NCAA volleyball just looks for where do crowds show up. And so they rotate around and, you know, add somebody in new to the mix, but they go to Louisville, they go to Omaha, you know, Tampa's a regular location. I think it was in Texas a couple of years ago. The next one is set, but don't ask me where. Um, they're looking for good volleyball crowds and they want to fill up their arena. So we don't go to we don't go to California. They don't fill up volleyball arenas there, but Florida does. Louisville does. That Texas is does. that that is surprising because for I mean, for decades California was volleyball, and I they're very good at volleyball. I, still, tons of recruits come out of volleyball. Both of those yeah. freshmen from Pitt are from California. Great volleyball there still, but you're not filling up stadiums. You're not selling out Stanford's volleyball arena. Wow. But they don't like sports ball out there of any kind, I guess. Okay. This one is from Caro Spearman, who says, when Pitt gets confidence, watch out. I do not want to win the first two sets versus Pitt. I'm not sure if I understand that, com that comment. Do you? I do, because um, Pitt played Louisville in the last round, and Pitt played Louisville in their conference, and 
Louisville won the first two sets and Pitt came back and won the next three. And so, what? Um, you know, the Pitt players, as we talked about, we've got this young and old thing happening, but they just, they play pretty free. And when they play tight or with pressure on them, which I think they were doing in sets one and two against Louisville, they don't play as well, but you know, this Olivia Babcock, she came out in sets three and just started ripping serves just, I don't care. And that's when she started acing them. And that's when um, Pitt had um, Louisville down and out at this point. So, and I think a team, regardless of what you understand, we must win three sets to be done. When you're up two sets to none, there is a, a breath out, you know, your calming really? breath. And you do not want that. Not against Pitt. I, I agree with this comment in, um, in whatever way you have to stay on your toes, in your most focused. Pitt does not think they're done if they're down 0-2. So you can't think they're done either. Um, but, if it, you know, you, you understand the probabilities. I'm up 2-0 on a team. There is a sigh of relief yeah. there, and there should not be. There cannot be. We got to go through some, you know, psychological ramping up there because do not slow down on Pitt. Uh, you know what? If you don't win the first two sets, you can't sweep them, and that's what I want because if any of this goes to five sets, you know, you're aging. You're aging on each rally. You're I just expect like, oh, at I'd least like, four sets. Pitt's going to take us to four at least. Um, okay. I think set five is a tough one because um, probably if, you know, if I say we have an advantage on the floor defense, they have an advantage in like explosiveness. Um, Stafford and Babcock and then Vasquez Gomez on the outside. They've just, they've got like a fire, like an anger to them. Um, so a set five only goes to 15 points. You really have to reduce your errors. Um I'm not interested in a set five with Pitt, um, but I, I'd expect four sets, John. I don't think you're getting out of this with a sweep. <laughs> okay. Tennessee lost to who? Do you remember? She uh, To Texas in five. Okay. In five. And that game, the final fifth set was like 16 to 14. Yes. Wasn't it? That was yeah. amazing. And then yeah. uh, Oregon, amazing. I would, I, Oregon, I would, you know, they just seem, they can't, I met their coach years ago when they played up here at a volleyball regional when I was shooting that match. Uh, by the way, I, I was at the match where the, the match or the set, one of their sets ended 41 to 39. Ooh. And it was an unbelievable. Everybody in the entire arena was exhausted from the emotional drain because you could feel it. You know, you could feel the emotions in the arena and it was just unbelievable. The amount of, you know, up, down, up, down. We're going to win. No, we're not. Oh, we're going to win. We're not. And I, you know, Oregon's coach, I just, uh, when they lost to Wisconsin, I just felt bad for him. They just seemed to have a very, very good volleyball program that just can't break through to the next level. Am I wrong about them or? No, they, they really did. They looked good against Wisconsin. Um, I think Gabby Gonzalez had an injury that was not helping her very much there, their outside hitter. Um, but, you know, they're going to have to recreate a new team. They lost eight players in, to graduation yeah. by my count. So they're going to look a lot different next year, which might be good for them. Um, they're still going to have Mimi Collier, who is their best attacker. Um, I don't know if she made an All-American team, but she's excellent. And um, But Oregon will look different next year. He'll probably have to get some transfers if he doesn't already have some freshmen in for next year. So... You know, Oregon is right there, um, always in the national scene. Um, but, yeah, I don't know how he feels about breaking through to this Final Four, the final match. Well, I, it, there just seems there's only room for four. <laughs> anyway, let's see. That That is one thing to think about it here is that Nebraska is coming into this team without any seniors. Mm-hmm. And Wisconsin is coming into this uh, final four set, this four, final four with at least three. I mean, Sarah Franklin's a senior. Schmreck is a senior. I think Carter Booth is a senior. I, I think they, they're going to lose Both of their players. setters are seniors. I know that. 
Julia Orzel is a junior. She's the libero, but she'll probably go back to be an outside hitter. Temi Thomas-Alaro, she's a senior. But I go back through my notes. The thing now. is, is Wisconsin, Wisconsin is going to lose a number of players for next year. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they're still Wisconsin, and they're going to find some players. But uh, Texas uh, – Nebraska is going to come into this, and hopefully, hopefully, this is going to be the first year of an incredible team – that you know we're going to see over and over again for a few years to come. So I'm yeah, preparing we, myself. I'm preparing myself for this. What I think, and I mentioned this before, our expectations for volleyball are so it's national title or nothing. If we don't win this national title, I think everybody's going to think this is an unsuccessful season, which seems really unbelievably unfair to a team that's extremely young. And they will finish like I don't know what it, what their record is now, but they've only lost one match, and that was against Wisconsin in Madison, and that just seems like I don't know. We're crazy people. <laughs> what do you think of that? I think our expectations over the season have changed. I didn't expect this team to be as good as it was before the season started, before we started seeing them in action. So we've we've raised our expectations based on what they've done this season. Um, I think they want a national championship and there will be a level of disappointment if they don't win it. But I also think that there's going to be some pride in what they did do. And right. um, there'll certainly be some motivation, whether they win or not, to make next year's team whatever they, you know, their goals that they set. And if they won the Big Ten championship this year and they do this in the national championship, um, they'll be able to make goals off of it for next year. And I, my, my perspective on teams is even if every single body on the team next year is exactly the same, which we know we get two freshmen next year, but okay, right. we return all these players too. It is still a different team. You yeah. can tell me that every single one of these players comes back, but it is still a new team. It is still a different dynamic. Um, things have changed in their lives. And we're talking about college players. Life is changing pretty fast for college-aged people, right? I mean, let's think back to our college years. When I was 22, uh, Beth, this Beth, was changing. Beth, I, I went to college at like 17, 18, and I spent seven years in Nebraska, and I, I was like 25. So I don't expect them, you know what I mean? <laughs> a lot of things changed in that time frame, you know? Uh, I have bad news yeah, for you. Yeah, everybody else left and graduated. Senior. Is she? Yeah. Carter oh, my Ruth's God, I thought she was a senior. So we, They'll have so some we have returning giants. players. Mm -hmm. Right. Sarah Franklin's a senior, though. She's a senior, yeah. Yeah, thank God. Okay, Branson Chab gives us a super chat. Thank you, Branson. He says Nebraska needs to emphasize volleyball. You know, I think that with the 92,003 world record setting event that happened at the beginning of the year, I I don't know how much more they could emphasize it. But uh, I'm I'm willing to listen to your suggestions. Uh, anybody in the maybe comments? Telling, maybe he's telling us we need to emphasize it more. Coronation. Well, that's one reason. That's one reason why I wanted this to be a separate show from our other Monday yeah. night and Thursday night show. By the way, tonight we will be doing the Five Heart Podcast because we're not doing a podcast during Volleyball Final Four. Otherwise, Greg would be screaming at me because I wouldn't be watching him or paying attention to him. I'd be having the match on this monitor right here, and Greg could just, you know, whatever. You'd be, okay, you'd be screaming at the match too. I would, I would, I, you know, and people would watch me freak out and fall out of my chair and do all sorts of horrible things. And nobody wants that. James Boardman says, do you see any transfers from Nebraska? Kennedy or wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. You know, to be honest, I don't give this one a, a ton of thought. If Kennedy or transfers, I think I'd say good for her. I hope she gets a shot to set a team, you know, setting a team is, is running a team and, um, I played setter in college and I know I wanted to run the team. And so if Kennedy or decides to transfer, good for her. I also think though, she has found a role on this Nebraska team and seems to embrace that role. You know, all the 
uh, media around the Memorial Stadium match. She was the one that was talking about, um, you know, today we dream the impossible and we made the impossible possible. That was her quote. So I think Kennedy Orr is all in on Nebraska volleyball. I think the Nebraska volleyball program has um, helped her through a difficult transition through her injury coming out of high school to recovering from that injury in college and not coming back to the same place she had been in high school and this top recruit. I think they've supported her. Um, anyways, I, I don't expect her to transfer, but if she does, I'm going to give her a round of applause and say, good luck run in that offense for that team. And that's what you hope for any setter that she gets to run a team. Carol Spearman says, does Beth belong to volley talk? I don't know what that is. I, I do not. I see people talk about it sometimes, but I don't, I don't, I, they talk about volleyball, I think. Well, I hope it's not like musket volleys, you know, maybe civil war reenactments. Uh, what a terrible joke. I should be beaten for that or I, I don't know, castigated. I like to talk uh, volleyball, but I'm not on that site, no. Okay. What else have, what else have we got to go through? We got anything? There we, Carol well, comes I, back and says all they do, all they talk about is volleyball, uh, pro college beach and international. Cool. Well, there you go. I get, there you go. If it's, you want to go do that, there's volley talk out there for you. There you uh, go. I mentioned the two all Americans. Okay. Let me just Lexi Rodriguez and Merritt Beeson were first team all American Bergen Riley right. is second team all American and Harper Murray is um, third team All-American. So four All-American honors for Nebraska, um, which is which is nice. Wisconsin had some? Yeah, Wisconsin had um, three. Sarah Franklin and um, she was the only first team. Schmreck was on second team and Carter Booth was on second team, I think. Brad Wilson said, it is so fun to watch these women both on and off the court. What a credit to Nebraska. We also have the best coach of all time. How long until John Cook retires? Everybody asks that. We're going to probably finish this with discussing that. What you do you know, think? He's, he's developing habits outside of volleyball, right? He talks about roping all the time. He talks about his horses. Um, isn't that what you do in retirement? I mean, I you to you, you do other things. You find other things that you're interested in. He's been intensely focused on volleyball for decades and he's done yeah. it really well. Um, so if he's finding things that he's interested in outside of volleyball, that would indicate to me that is this really funny. <laughs> you're prepared. Well, it's my life. Yeah. I mean, well. you know, I'm putting more emphasis in doing YouTube stuff than I ever have. And why is that? Because I'm an, I said, I'm going to, I'm a 61 year old IT guy, which is like saying, a 98 year old farmer. You know what I mean? My time in IT is slowly drifting to an end and I'm trying to find other things. Cause the thing is, is you're the reason why John Cook does that is I can tell you as an old man is, you know, people that want to do stuff just don't stop because they retire. They mm -hmm. still keep doing stuff. They just mm -hmm. find something else that they're, they're like, you know, I did this stuff for years. Now I want to go do this cause it sounds interesting. So you probably make a good point there. I guess the one thing that I think about when it comes to John Cook is God help his replacement because they're going to follow a legend. Yeah. I mean, a giant, enormous giant. And that is going to be just, you know, that's hell. You can't live up to that hardly. I mean, people never live up to that almost. I mean, John Cook followed Pettit and he did an excellent job and, you know, does become a bigger legend probably than Terry Pettit was. And that's extremely difficult to be uh, to do. So, I hope yeah, he sticks I around think, for a while. I I don't think he's I don't think he's done. I think uh, the program that maybe he would look to and that Nebraska would look to Penn State. Uh, Russ Rose retired a couple of years ago, and um, the the assistant coach became the head coach, and she's doing an excellent job. Penn State continues to be a national level program. Um, I know. Coach Cook and Coach Rose were our good friends and respect there. So I, I think that would be the closest 
um, you know, copycat we could become of a Penn State program that transitioned and found a coach that both had the history of playing for Penn State, coaching for Penn State, and now is head coaching for Penn State. So I would I would expect something like that based on the similarities of the programs and the um, respect of the coaches. All right, let's see. Carol Spearman comes in and says it's going to be Danny Busboom or Jordan Larson. Jordan Larson doesn't have any, enough experience. I know that she's player in the world, right? As they're mm -hmm. even disputing that, but probably needs to. I would think that here's what I think. I think John Cook stays around for this team. And I know you said they're a different team every year, but like this set of freshmen to get to through whatever they're getting through and to extinguish their eligibility. And then he's going to go hand the reins to somebody else. And, uh, you know, we'll just, We'll just, you know, live in the moment for each time that happens, for each volleyball match that John Cook is still around because the guy is a treasure. Uh, and I think, you know, I don't know if we have anything else to go through except for one thing. I, you know, I'm actually wearing pants, so this is fine. <laughs> this is your Christmas present. Can you? Woo! It's it's autographed, I believe, from the 2022 team. I just I have, to figure out how to I have to figure out how to ship it to you. I thought you were going to show off one of the uh, volleyball shirts. Uh, you know what? I my God, I forgot to put those up. What an idiot! Okay, but that well, I'll figure out how to get that to you. Uh, there you go. Uh, I don't know of anything else other than we need to come up with a volleyball intro. And yep. tomorrow night, I believe it's at 6 p.m. Yep. Nebraska versus Pitt for a chance to go to the national title match against the the whoever wins the evil side of the bracket, Texas, Wisconsin. And it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be, I don't know about you guys, but I get freaked out before football matches or football games sometimes. And I just like, you know, I can't type. I can't. I know that I'm going to do this tomorrow night. So we'll see what happens. Thank you. Just Beth. enjoy it. It's going to be good volleyball. It's I mean, we'll be nervous during the Nebraska one, but enjoy the good volleyball. Long rallies that, you know, we've gone ooh and ah multiple times during the NCAA tournament, both in Nebraska matches or other teams. So. Enjoy the good volleyball because we'll be having volleyball withdrawals next week. So enjoy it now. That's true. All right. Thank you, everybody, for your support. And uh, we will hopefully – well, we will continue to support Nebraska volleyball on this channel because, by God, they're good. And we need good. You know? There you go. Okay. Take care. Bye. <laughs>